Let's talk about a Netflix first from Africa. Let's also discuss dyslexia. What about Angola's sound of Kuduro? And a whole lot more. This is Pablo from Hackney, and this is Pablo's podcast. Thank you for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Welcome. This week we have Maradona Diaz dos Santos, movie director, born in Angola, came to England and realized his dream in many different ways. I don't want to say too much at this point because I'm sure he's going to give us a full story and it's better you hear it from the horse's mouth. But I'm pleased to have him on our podcast today. So, Maradona, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thank you, Pablo, for your lovely uh, podcast. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for any questions. It's an exciting time here. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So you, you've got the, your brand new movie, first Angolan film to touch Netflix, I believe. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, the movie actually premiered on the 20th of August. And yeah, it's the first Angolan uh, ever feature film uh, to be on Netflix. And the second of the African Portuguese uh, countries to be on Netflix. Wow, that is amazing. That's amazing. So that's, that's where we are now. So what I really want to do is go back to the beginning, really, because um, you've, you've had a kind of an international life from, from what I've seen, um, so from, well, from what I understand. And I believe you went to, was it Compton High School? Is that right? In the UK? Yes, correct. Uh, I think I went to Compton High School in 1993 to 1998 in uh, North Finchley, in Barnet. Right, okay, okay. So was you born here or you born? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I was born in Angola, Luanda, in the 1980s, and um, I came here when I was two to London, and I've been London ever since. Okay, wow, wow. So, um, so you've you've obviously gone back to Angola to to make this movie, from what I'm picking up. No, definitely. Uh, I mean, um, I was always uh, an enthusiast uh, when it comes to films. I always like like watching films, so uh, it was one of those things. Eventually, I became. I believed in myself that much to hey, maybe I could try and do something. And um, I, ideally, I wanted my first feature film to be um, from Angola, which there's not many stories told or feature, feature films made for a wider platform because uh, it was usually local and domestic. So, yeah, so that happened when I was on my 30s, when I was about 30. Okay, okay. So you, when, when did you realise that you wanted to get into film? Was that while you was at Compton High or...? Ah, that. oh, that's a good question. Um, basically, um, I did all the usual stuff, like uh, went to school and then I went to college to study IT. I did an um, IT uh, vocational A-level and then I tried to go to university. And that's when I had um, some little difficulties. I, I, I started seeing that I'm, I was more of an artist than an academic. And so I had a little tickle. Uh, with my mum, my mum was like, hey, you have to go to university. And I was like, hey, no, I don't want to. I want to be uh, an actor. So, um, yeah, I think that w when I was um, I scheduled to go to university, I, I kind of like, people may say dropped out kind of thing. And, um, yeah, so I guess so on my 20s, um, I decided to move out and pursue um, an acting career. Um, so I went to school um, in College of North West London. And, um, yeah, and, and that's, that's where it started, really, through, through acting. And then I moved into 
um, from acting. I said, let me try and go behind the cab, behind the camera, sorry, because um, at those times the roles that I was getting picked up was uh, the, the black guy who wears a hoodie and speaks that slang kind of thing, and I didn't really like all that. So I said, let me try and get my own production, and I went to Central School, um, uh, Central Film School in uh, Brick Lane um, in, in the East End, and studied a month, a month course on regards to just a general course of how, how to be a filmmaker, like a writer, director, producer, and yeah, cameraman and technical things like that. And after that, I decided to really pursue making a feature film and invested. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> That's an amazing journey, man. You, know, you summed that up nicely. Um, I mean, yeah. with with the um, the the typecasting, because that's 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 something you hear a lot. Um, the typecasting of, of 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 people, you know, based on their ethnicity, and like you said, getting roles of thugs and drug dealers and stuff like that. Um, do you think that's something that still is a, as prevalent as it was then, or have things changed a bit? Well, um, you know. To be quite honest, uh, I, I have watched Top Boy a bit, and I have watched some of uh, Noel Clark's films, mm. um, and uh, it, it does does stare in a bit with stereotype. But it's so it's so exciting, and and you you kind of learn something about our, our culture or, or about uh, things that are happening, and it's I guess it's supposed to be entertainment factor. But um, I I guess um, I, I'll just like to pursue a different lane and, and talk about more uh, more. Um, if I was doing films in the UK, which I haven't done yet, just to, to experience more the other side, you know, the, the intellectual, um, um, you know, the, the difficulties and, and talking about black excellence, you know, it's just things that haven't really been, been discussed as much kind of thing and, and as popular kind of thing. And uh, we, we, we tend to stick to the, the, the state guy and the guy who's going through our problems and, and uh, bad peer pressure and uh, people around and it's uh, yeah so I just I just I'll, I'll, I'm gonna try and stay away from that but you know obviously um, filmmakers want to get their money so whatever sells you know that, that stuff but um yeah and, and as an actor I think um, um I didn't really want to do those roles so much I was I was thinking you know you look at uh, big stars like uh, uh, across the pond uh, like uh, Denzel Washington and, and now. His son, uh, David Washington, you know, they, they're doing excellent things and, and things are historical, you know, they, like Denzel Washington, and Malcolm X, and he's done the American Gangster, but he's so, so cool, and, you know, and David Washington, Kenneth. So it's, it's things that, you know, as an actor, you inspire to, you, you want to you wanna do something great like that, and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but you're you're right. I definitely resonate with the the thought that we do need a bit more balance. You know, as good as Top Boy and as good as all the films that I've seen Noel Clark do, to be fair, they've all been amazing. But um, but yeah, and and there's room for that. But there is loads. There's a big gap that hasn't been filled, like you said, black ex- excellence, and you know, just different stories. Because obviously, as black people, we're we're multifaceted. You know, we're not just okay. one dimension. Definitely, and and it's, I mean, it's almost like uh, in UK we're having to look overseas, like um, the, the films coming, uh, especially when we're talking about the, the black, you know, Afro-Caribbean uh, descendant culture and what it is today in, in the UK or the USA. I think uh, America is much more advanced in t- telling 
newer stories and 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 and, and highlighted like the story of the, the moonlight and um, I think there was a film Queen Queen something I forgot the the, the name of the title which are, are great films and it just it talks about love stories but from a, a black person's perspective and you know it's not it's not like a black film but it's just two black black cast and you know and it's very rare you see that and it's just great no but saying that you, you do have top top actors like um, Idris Elba. Uh, making uh, shows like um, like um, I forgot the name of the show, but um, yeah. Uh, so he's he's a great pioneer. I've actually got to meet him when um, I was on set on Twenty Eight Weeks Later. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a good combo. Yeah, he inspired me a lot actually. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the show you're thinking of might be called In the Long Run. I think is it that one you're thinking of? No, it's a, a UK show. I think he's a producer, and it's like, like a kind of detective. Oh, Luther, Luther, you're talking Lufa. about. Yeah, yes. Luther, yeah, that's yes. yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, it's something different, and it's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, um, um, you know, you have an, um, uh, someone who, you know, slightly darker, doing intellectual stuff, and, and really trying to figure out good things. You know, and yeah. it's not, yeah, and he's more conscious and uh, mature to make great decisions and not fall into something because he is a officer of the law and he, and he wants to do things properly so it's like it's a great role and it's like you know I, no wonder he did so successful and um, yeah it's just great yeah and this and it, and he just happens to be black that's, that's exactly what it is in the he's part yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly uh, yeah no for sure I mean I, I tell you what I, I want to get into I want to get into your movie but I just want to ask you a couple of just kind of get a feel around your thoughts no 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 worries yeah. good to know who I am <laughs> About um, what's go, what you see going on in the UK? Because, like I said, you're you're an international man. You're here. You're in. You, well, you filmed your your film in Cape Town, I see, and also in Angola. So you're yeah, an international, yeah, yeah, and Rwanda as well. Yeah, was that? The, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's Angola capital, Rwanda. Yeah. Okay. I'd, I'd be, to be fair, I do not know that much about Angola. This is why I was so glad to have you on. Because, um, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you hear about different parts of um, the continent of Africa, but you don't, I haven't heard that much about, about Angola other than, you know, the war um, in the past and stuff and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, you don't hear about it much. So it's nice to hear something positive and something positive coming out of it and you kind of shining a light on it in a positive way. So, no, definitely, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, Okay, so in regards to what you see in happening in the, in the UK, in regards to um, uh, black people and how they've been treated, and you know the fact that people are talking about how much our, our lives matter, um, how, how have course. you how have you how have you uh, viewed the whole thing? What's your perspective on what's been going on in twenty twenty? Wow, that is a very interesting question. I've never been asked that question ever. <laughs> it's just like. I mean, yeah, because uh, um, it's one of those things where you have a lot of friends that support it and you, you kind of tend to support, you know, you click a couple of things on, on social media and even uh, some of your, 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 your friends who maybe are not black or a different race, they just assume you support it as well. So you don't really get asked if you're a supporter or not and how do you feel because you just assume that you're... But it's a, it's a fair question. I mean, I... I don't, I don't, I don't know that much uh, about the, the origins of how Black Lives Matter, but I, the little I do know uh, is a couple of people who who started it, initiated it, and it's I don't know if it's, it's a little bit Marxist or 
a, a, a social kind of like uh, against. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a bit crazy, but what to me, what um, Black Lives Matter is basically uh, just it's, it's in the name. It's just an attack. If if we think about it, I mean, do Black Lives Matter? I think yeah, it does. And um, and when you go back in history, I, you have to go that far back, you know, like uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And even in, in UK, Stephen Lawrence, and yeah, and so forth. But basically, it's just like um, a lot of a lot of things have been overlooked. And if if the Stephen Lawrence and, and the George Floyd and and other cases like Breonna Taylor, uh, things are still pending, and, and if they can't get this off as big exposure as it is right now, then uh, we're doomed in, in the next weeks because it's like. They, they can't even resolve those issues uh, properly and, and fairly. And there's a lot of bureaucratical system. And I, I guess things are going slower. And then, you know, I don't know. I just, I just think it, to me, a lot of, a lot of things when it comes to um, black people, especially, um, have to, have to be fair. And, and we, 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 we can't just let um, things like the George Floyd situation, which was a big major issue. Um, happen and you know it, it takes weeks for, for the police officer to be arrested when it was in plain view and camera and I think even with cameras you're not safe uh, and, and it's not guaranteed that the, the law will, will get in and do things right so it's just like a lot of things need to, need to move faster and the law completely has to change you know um, yeah in both, in both worldwide UK and USA yeah yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, it's, I mean, and, and people seem to often either fall on the side of they're with the politics of it, of Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter, the movement, or you get other people that actually underst- think about, you know, the fact that that term, you know, the sentiments of the term Black Lives Matter is, is they've happened to name their movement that, and that's the, the ethos of it. But at the end of the day, even if you don't, you're not with the politics. Of I mean, course, how of can, course. How can you not be with the sentiment, you know? Um, exactly, exactly. You know, so. I mean, there is a Black Lives Movement, you know, and there is a Black Lives Organization. I guess, it, it, do I stand with the organization? I mean, I guess some of the things, you know, I don't really know too much, but is Black Lives, uh, uh, do, does it matter? Yes, I do. I have, I have Black children, I think their lives matter. And I think... Um, in true fact, um, when you say Black Lives Matter, you're not too far away from saying all lives matter, you know. And, and I think um, I think people have to be smart and, and understand that, really. You know, Black Lives do matter and all lives do matter, you know. And um, it, it's really important that, you know, it's, uh, you don't just shout Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. We, we actually have a positive message to unite everybody, you know. It's just like, yeah, Black Lives do matter and what's happening... Uh, in, in loads of countries to, to black people, not just black people, but I, I guess um, all, all foreigners in, in a country that you're a minority, something might happen to you. I think that, that, that in a whole big aspect has to change. And I, I guess uh, we can only push for the government to do more. We can only push for fairness. And really, people shouldn't look at, you know, especially myself being a, a dark skin. Uh, as my colour of something associated with something negative, and that all has to do with a lot of political spin, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, there's rap music, and not all rap music talks about having a knife and shooting. But I understand that 
uh, that has to be addressed as well, you know, somehow. And, you know, but, and, and also understand that where the nature of rap music came from, uh, of, of, of having, having a message and, and telling uh, one side story of the realities that they're in. And, and uh, at that time, it was police brutality, which hasn't changed much in, in the USA and uh, in America. And at that time, we were talking about um, how they used to live like bugs in, in, in their type of areas, you know. And it's like a, 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 a pot, a, a, a pressure pot kind of thing. You know, you, you put enough people in, in, in the worst situations, in, in the gutter, you know, you, you're going to get a, a mixture of positive and negative things. So it's like society needs to change. It's not just about some of color. You can't put uh, loads of people, black, white, whatever, in, in situations where they, 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 they're, they're destined to fail kind of things, you know? And, and on top of that, you put crack and drugs and so on. It's just like, wow, it's like, come on, you know? <laughs> so it's one of those things, yeah. Uh, you have to go. You have to go deep, and then and say it as it as it is, instead of just say, "Hey, this is happening." There's a lot of elements that has got you know, and it just someone has to go back to slavery. Even it's like, where do you stop, kind of thing, and and how do you go forward? That's a that's a bigger question. But um, yeah, but we, we us as um, uh, uh, black people, we we also need to do a lot of healing and. It's, we, we have to look at ourselves as well and, and how we deal with our community and we should stay a lot, a lot stronger because to me, even the Caribbeans and the Africans should be a lot stronger. We're, we're so far apart right now. It's just like, you know, how, how do you want unity uh, looking at someone else's races when we are still uh, far distant? So it's like me living in UK, that's what I think uh, is the biggest issue for me. I think we should be more united. And it's not just Caribbean Africans. It's everybody, you know, and uh, but we, 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 as brothers and sisters, you know, we have to. Uh, I, I'm tired of being uh, of, of hearing, oh, because um, you guys sold us and so on, so on. And I think, well, it's like, come on now, it's just like, how did you guys get there, or or, or how did we get there? It's just like, it, there's a bigger conversation than those type of words, kind of thing, which is quite offensive in, in, in 2020, but it's it's a reality, also. And that thing, that those things need to be addressed also. So in order to move forward, it's like we, we need a healing between us. 100%. I to- totally agree. Um, even though, you know, obviously it's not necessarily a, a black and white thing, you know, as human beings, we've got to share this planet together. So we have to find mm-hmm. a way of coexisting, but definitely amongst um, Africans, Caribbeans, you know, because we're all descendants of Africa at the end of the day. Um, of course, we, we were only divided through through history, you know. So, yeah, we we, we definitely have a lot of healing to do. And th- there was something I I read something this week in regards to um, I think it's in Nigeria. There are still stigma of people who are descendants of slaves or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a certain stigma and a car, like a casting system. And if, if that's where your lineage lies, then there's other Nigerians that won't want to marry into that. Oh. Yeah. And I was quite surprised to, I was quite surprised that um, there was anything like that, you know, like really as specific as that. But, um, but yeah, that's something to, to look into. But it feeds in, into the point that you said, because the same thing in, in the Caribbean. I mean, there was a, there was a time when... Caribbeans had no connection with with Africa, and 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 you know spoke spoke about 
England being the motherland, you know, and not really mm-hmm. having that att- attachment with, with Africa. I mean, as a kid, when you was younger, did you, did you suffer any, um, you know, uh, taunting from, from your black peers as, a, as an African child? Uh, taunting from black people in terms of like I, I, uh, from all races or just yeah, uh, yeah from well from um, from b- black people specifically like in primary school maybe or yeah like of course I mean I, I was born in 1982 of course yeah I think I, I share the sentiment Pablo I mean um, when I came to London in 1984 um, and several years when I was old enough to remember how things are when I, when I was about six, five to six years old. I remember a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it started with racism. Like, I used to live in, in Edgware, and it was racism full blown. We were the only black uh, family in Edgware at that time. Mm-hmm. And every school I used to go to, uh, we were the only black kids, me and my brother. So it was one of those things where um, even my secondary school, there was like five black people in the whole school. So I, before the 90s, it, it was an era where it was, uh, you know, we were the first to experience a lot of things in that community as black people. And obviously, uh, when, when you did have another um, a, a, a black person who could be African or not, whatever, it was just such a great thing. So there was no, there was no problem then. I guess it, 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 in high school, and, and college is where it was more apparent to be the question you asked me if um, uh, black people, it goes, yeah, I, I guess, I, I mean, I'm Angolan, you know, um, I'm Angolan, so you wouldn't see many Angolans in my, in my time in secondary and college and even university because they weren't, you know, I, I guess the visa options, the tourist options wasn't uh, as valid. My country was in war at that time, you know, it was a full-blown war mm. and war lasted about 30 something years. So, um, yeah, but we, we happened because my dad was in, in, an ambassador, worked in the consulate. So we came here, um, and my dad was working in the, the Angolan embassy. So that's how we were here, kind of thing. But, um, yeah, going to your question, it was more of a situation where I had more of my Caribbean, uh, uh friends or colleagues where, where little friends, of course, kind of thing, like brothers. But when it came to the jokes and the little sneers, it was like, haha, you African, this, this, this. For sure. I mean, things definitely have changed now. Like you said, in, in, in 2020, um, black people, the diaspora, wherever, they, wherever we are, we, we recognize um, our roots. And, you know, we, we definitely have come together a lot. And, and especially, I mean, African music, African culture and um, black culture, it's all so popular now. So, um, of course. yeah, it's, it's all coming together slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm definitely aware of how things were previously. So that's, it's interesting. Of course. Yeah. 
but I mean, you, you just spoke about your, what I could imagine are your biggest assets, your children. Um, so I, I could, have you got any thoughts or perspective on the youth violence that we see in London at the moment? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, just just like um, just to put the the it out there, like my kids uh, in the UK, they 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 their their mothers um, uh, is Jamaican and half Cambodian kind of thing. So, and I've actually got a, a, a child with a mother who's just really Jamaican. So it's it's uh, when I'm talking to them, you know, um, it's more of like. I'm, I'm teaching them uh, um, that you know, yes, your mom's uh, a Caribbean and and or Jamaican or whatever, and uh, your dad's African, but it's all good. We we all come from the same place, and we're brothers and sisters. And this is a type of um, situation I'm I'm trying to always teach my kids, and it's really important that I, I don't ever put any divide in in any creed, especially uh, uh, um, the Caribbean and the African. And I know. Uh, um, Everyone's hurting, kind of thing, because everyone, everyone had to. Uh, I just, could just, I could just imagine in the slave trade, everyone was hurting. No, no one wanted to be a part, kind of thing. So I don't go as far as that to explain that. But what, what I do tell them is that you know whether you're from Nigeria or Angola or from Jamaica, all these black youths uh, do some, some of them which are doing knife crimes. Some they, they, they all doing it. You know, it's not just one part, one set of people doing it. So, you know, and, and it's one of those, I even have cousins that have, have gone down that route of, you know, being with gangs and so on and so on. And it's just one of those things I'm trying to teach my kids, hey, you stay away from that and how it starts, you know, I'm just trying to get them to understand about the peer pressure and, and try to be cool and um, not to hang in places or think this is cool or try things. So it's, we're there right now because they're, they're 13 and uh, 8. Okay. So, um, yeah, so it's not, they're not too old enough to go deep, but I, I have spoke to them about the, how the youth, some youth get sidetracked. And no matter how good the parents are, you can always have one friend from a circle that's, uh, you know, come from a, a corrupt or, or, or um, uh, uh, something where they think it's cool or they, it, they've been pressured or, you know, their families haven't educated them as well, to be a part of this part of society. So, yeah, that's uh, like that. Yeah, now for sure. And you, your, your son being 30, 13, he's at that pivotal age where, you know, I mean, when, when, I think if you think back when you was 13 or when I was 13, you feel like you're a superhero, nothing can stop you. Of course. You, you know, um, all you, every, any adult is not talking any sense at this point. You know, you know everything. So, yeah. Exactly. I mean, my, my, my son, my son, Renico, he's, um, he's actually quite a, a very smart boy. He's like a, a star student, get full aid. So, uh, with him, it's more like, hey, just keep doing it. I'm very, I swear to God, when I get someone, I'm going to do all dreams and so on, so well. And, 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 and my daughter, who's 12, uh, she, she, she is like, um, proper Christian. She, she speaks well with everyone. She understands about, uh, respect for the elders and so on. I'm just like trying to boost that up. And, and my eight-year-old, he's just like loves spending time with his dad and still goes on my back and so on. So not much I can say to him, but just be a good boy. So it's uh, one of those moments. But I, I guess, yeah, I guess it's more like finishing school and uh, college is where you have to be, where they have a bit more freedom, I guess. 
And yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah, no, definitely, totally, totally agree. Um, so, so in regards to the whole COVID situation that we've got here, you know, having young children, what's your what's your take on that? I mean, not even just your young children, just you know, being a human being, I suppose, and, and living in this time. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, everyone is suffering. I mean, um, just to put out there, my mom. Uh, got COVID and she almost died. She was in the ventilator, and, and you know you can just imagine the worst side of when you get COVID and and um, things are not turning really good. And she was for weeks and weeks in hospital, but she got out of there. My dad got sick as well, and um, it's one of those things where his his right eye kind of like um, a vein burst or something like that. So his his right eye kind of like couldn't, and, um, he couldn't blink or he couldn't. He was just shut kind of thing. So, but it's better now, I think. And my mom obviously pulled through. So, looking at that aspect, where you know you had a, you have a mom who's coughing all the time. I was like, Mom, you say that I have COVID. Oh no, no, son, come over, come over. And then I come over and she's coughing all over my face. Like, Mom, you got to put a mask on. She's like, Don't worry, I haven't got COVID. I've just got a chest infection. I'm like, No, Mom, I think you've got COVID. And I had to take my mom to the hospital because she. You know when you're coughing for four days, it's like, no, yeah. that is not normal. Mm. And I was like, mum, we have to get you. Stop coughing in my face. And, uh, and um, I said, put a mask and, and gloves and, and she's coughing in mine and my brother. And we were really worried for our lives kind of thing. Yeah. But I took her to the hospital and she stayed there. And it was just one of those things where I think a lot of people have to take this really, really seriously. It's like, I, I think I might have got COVID for my mum because she was coughing right in my face. <laughs> but it just didn't, it, it just, and I was like, you could have killed me, mum. And she's like, no, shut up. I only coughed to the left. And I like, my mum was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was just a little cough. She, she really, at that time, didn't understand what uh, could have been happening. Yeah. So I think I, I, I got the, the COVID, but it just went away kind of thing. I just, I don't know. But um, yeah, it's, it's really dangerous because uh, a lot of people have died and uh, a lot of people in my family have shut themselves out and don't want to speak to no one. And it's like not even be able to hug, hug your kids or your family for a long time that had an effect also, I guess. It's just like, um, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to have a long legacy of, of various things because, like you said, just not being able to hug your, your family, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. But look, I, I, guess there's, I guess there's no positive in this, but I, I, the, God was in everyone's mind about who sh we should be. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a God-fearing person. I'm a Christian. Maybe not everyone feels the same, but mm -hmm. definitely a lot of people were thinking about God and, and the reality of the situation. Because during that uh, March, uh, April, May situation when a thousand people were dying a day or, or less, that was really, really tough. And it was yeah. crazy times. Yeah, we, we've been for it really bad. Yeah. Oh, definitely, man. I'm I'm glad your your parents pulled through, you know, because as you said, there's a there's a lot of people that didn't make it out the other side, you know. Um, no, definitely, definitely. It's uh, wow. It's just like um, she she could have been um, a plus one. Uh, she could have took off the team, as they say, and uh, and because she pulled through because she she has she's she's one of those um, women that are proper plus a risk factor kind of thing. Mm. You know, because my, my mom has lupus and, and, and okay. she's on the verge of diabetes and she has, uh, yeah, so it, it was a lot of things that my mom had. Yeah, yeah, and it was, uh, she could really not get it, but um, yeah, it was one of those yeah. things. I mean, and it's, it, it's funny because it's, it's, it's something that really divides 
the community, you know, you, you have conversations with someone like yourself who's, you know, you've been through it, you've, you've got your two parents that have had it, or well, did you say both your parents or just the one? I, don't want to I think my dad had it, but he, he didn't get tested because obviously the eye was popping, the mm. vein, and it just operated. And, you know, because you know, the thing is that my mum got tested first mm. and they said it was negative, but she was still coughing. And then, and, and then I took her back again. And obviously, then, then the result came out, she had it. And I was like, what? So that period of four days when she got tested and, and, and uh, they said she didn't have it, she was coughing over and over. And I was like, mom, I think you still might have it. Cause I, it was one of those like gray areas where I had to just think out of the box and say, look, these doctors might have got it wrong. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It might have been a bad patch where it didn't result. So I started to protect myself a little bit more. And I was like, mom, you need to go back again. I think they might not quit. And I think this is one of those things where some people will appear with COVID symptoms and some people will not, mm-hmm. but they still have the symptoms, pass it on. And it's just really tricky kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah now for sure. Because I think you mentioned Idris Elba and he, he um, reported to having it um, a while back as well as um, Usain Bolt. So, but it's interesting hearing your story. Like you said, you've dealt with it with both your parents and you've been around and they've coughed all over you. Um, and you've, you've been okay as somebody who's young, young and fit and they had underlying issues and thank goodness they survived it too, you know? So, yeah. it's, um, I mean, it's, it's here. I've, I've, I think regardless of what, what we believe, we have to deal with the reality of what we, what we do know. And there are loads of things about this that we don't know and we won't know for many years, but... At the end of the day, we just need to be safe, you know. So uh, of course, yeah, we just gotta be of safe. Of course, of course. I, I hope they they come with a vaccine, but that's gonna be another controversial thing. If everyone's gonna take it, and if, this, if that's gonna have another side effect, it's just like, oh my gosh, we're at the worst time, one of the worst. Because I guess the Spanish flu was worth it killed fifty million or, or something or hundred million. It, but it's just like second to worst, and that's really cool. That's really not cool. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So. Let's get into the movie. So I, 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 I watched it um, and I, I enjoyed um, And the two brothers, uh, Matthias and... Matthias and... Diaz. Diaz, that's it. Matthias yeah. and Diaz. Yeah, yeah. On, on the hunt. It sounds for, similar. Yeah, yeah, Matthias and Diaz on the hunt for um, Ferreira. You know, um, and you know, <laughs> the, t- the, t- the touch of black magic in there, and these yeah. connection. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll let you speak of it. You, you, you break it down. Break no, it down. definitely. I, I mean, uh, for those who haven't watched Santana, or those who have, uh, just a quick description. It's about two uh, law enforcement officers. Uh, one who's a military, he's a general, uh, three staff general, and and one who's a uh, a Denique officer, which is uh, the equivalent of FBI, but in Angola. So they call it the Denique force. And um, they've obviously been raised uh, separately due to something that happened to their parents and um, a long time ago. And uh, basically, one lived in an orphanage and the other person lived in a very rich family uh, in Kunene in the south of Angola. And when they meet each other in these positions that they are, and uh, a lot of crime is happening in, in Luanda at the time. They had to join forces. The president and the ministers, they said, hey, get the best people out here. And both of them had to join forces. And um, I, I guess it's one of those things. They, they, they meet the person that's uh, done their parents wrong. And um, one is seeking revenge and the other person is seeking justice. And uh, it's 
one of those, and, and uh, yes, there is a bit of black magic or bruxerie, as you call it, <laughs> in Angola. But, you know, the, I guess black magic helped us get to number one in Netflix, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm but, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, a lot of comedic um, and, and tension. There is a bit of sex scenes, yes. It's a, it's a fun film. I, 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 it's a 15, but it's... Um, it's just a, a great ball of experimenting coming from Angola, Africa. Not many, no films have come from Angola internationally. It's the first. And I think um, it's one of those things where uh, the world uh, being almost uh, number one in 35 plus countries in the world has, has embraced it. Yeah. You know, being number one in each country like Portugal, Brazil, Australia. Uh, we came sixth in, 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 in America. We came eighth in UK and Kemp twice in UK and France, uh, Argentina, um, Morocco, Saudi Arabia, literally 40, 40 countries. If I can't name more, but it was like number one. And it's like, wow. Wow. Amazing. Absolutely. Nigeria also. Nigeria also was, was big. And uh, a couple of Caribbean countries also number one. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's amazing. And that's, that's why I was, I was so happy that you could join us today because, um, like I said, I don't hear much about Angola. So to hear this is the first yeah. Angolan film and it's, it's, it's doing so well on Netflix, you know, so it's amazing. And hopefully this will bring, a, bring some positive light to, to Angola. And, and what, Definitely. Yeah. I mean, one of, one of my main missions of being a famed filmmaker is that I can tell stories because obviously I, I write also and, and direct and producer organizing the money but it's my first film was in in in, in angola because obviously i had the opportunity with an investor mm -hmm. my investor was uh, a gentleman called antonio de la Lelua, mm -hmm. and he was a governor of a state in in in, in luanda in angola sorry in kuneni and uh, i i looked at him when he used to come to london and he used to buy consume a lot of nigerian films he used to buy like literally 100 to 200 dvds uh, Nigerian Nollywood films, you know, okay. and he he used to watch it in his house with his wife Jalina, and I, I, literally a week of always buying them DVDs and so on. I asked him, hey, well, you know, you love these films, wouldn't you like an Angolan film? And he goes, well, I've never thought of it mm -hmm. to watch it, but is can we buy Angolan films? Are they good enough? I was like, no, let's let's create it, let's do it, you know. And then that's what enticed him to do business with me, and and that's what we did, and and thank God, because um, it's like. I went to Angola previous times um, to try and find investors and everybody was just like, oh, you're so ambitious. Oh, come on, please. It didn't make a difference. Right. And I was like, no, no. I, I, and in my pitch to, to uh, Antonio and the governor was, look, I want to revolutionize um, African films and I want to shed good light about Angola and great things. And, and it just, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, right, you're going to revolutionize. But I think I've, I've done it uh, unexpectedly. You know, it was, it was a mission I, I started off with just trying to see the perception of, of, of African films and maybe people will like it. And I worked so hard on, on, on writing a script that would have elements of like Africa, you know, a bit witchery, a bit of uh, lovely, sexy women, the military, because Angola, a lot of people might not know, but Angola is a very military country kind of thing, law enforcement, because obviously many years of war. So generals are very respected and they hold high positions and police officers, Top, like the elite guys or the top guys who organize big crimes. And so, yeah, I, I brought a bit of that to the screen kind of thing. And, and it's based on some true, true stories um, that I heard from my uncle, who was 
uh, a, a second commander of Rwanda, which I, I based uh, his character, Dia Santana, because his name is Dias Nascimento. So there you go, Dias Santana. Okay. It's actually based there. And, and Matias Santana was based on my other uncle, who was a general, and um, he, he was a military. He dealt with the, 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 the guns and so on, getting the guns and uh, so on like that. And that's what the general in the film actually does. And the first 20 minutes, if you, if you, uh, some people may agree, it's the most dramatic scene of, you know, where the bad guys come in the house and so on. I don't want to, no spoilers, yeah. but that, that scene actually happened in my, my family's house. Wow. And, um, yeah, and, and um, she, she uh, my auntie had to give birth in the most serious situations. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I've t- taken a lot of uh, real aspects, stories that happened to my family, and I put it in the film. And obviously it's, it's more fiction than anything, but there's a lot of elements that uh, touch the realism. Yeah. And I think that all resounded to a great film. And, you know, it, it's not like a 200 million budget film. It's a couple of million, but it's, it's, we, we're starting. That's the whole message of this film, Santana. We're starting. You're going to love it. And a lot of people ask me for Santana too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for your first outing, this is, yeah, definitely amazing, man. Definitely amazing. That's really <laughs> no, really, thank you. Thank yeah, you. It's, it's, it's good to see, man, because like I said, like you said, you know, you, you, you were born in Angola, you come to England really young, you've gone to school here, and then you've gone back home, you know, to the motherland, yeah. you know, to, <laughs> exactly. to, 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 to shine a positive light on it. So kudos to you, man. It's, it's, it's a big move, big move. No, thank you. I, I, think, I think what I would say to uh, a lot of youths out there who uh, have come here really, really young or were just born here, but the heritage is from an African or Caribbean, um, or anyway, in fact, it didn't have to just be Africa, it could be whatever, you know. Uh, I think it's always good to learn about your heritage and your history. Mm. And everyone, and like me, I actually went home and I wanted to make a change. And, and, and this word change and revolution, is, uh, sometimes it can be seen as a positive and a negative. But really, when you have a good heart and you want to do something to bring some... Because, you know, in Angola, I mean, I don't know, about two years ago, it was always, you saw a poor kid with a big belly, and you, you knew that it's the most expensive country, one of the most expensive countries in the world, and you hear about some corruption case, or you hear about uh, just basically uh, the war, uh, you know, sort of landmine. And I think Angola's not like that at all. I mean, I've been there for the last 10 years. It's a great country. I mean, I, I put a scene about the Kazomba. I mean, do you like that scene with the, the general? Um, the general. Uh, he, when he does, he, he does Kazomba with uh, a Tandy, uh, the, the arms dealer also that came from South Africa. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, <laughs> yes I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that scene, a lot of people got asking, wow, a lot of people didn't know about the, the dance and the music Kazomba. Mm. And it was just like a, wow, it was just like a, and, that, and I put like four elements of the great, great like genre of um, music like this: kizomba, uduru, semba, and a, a bit of rap in there yeah. from Angola. And it's been well received. A lot, I, I get a lot of people on my Instagram or Facebook say, "Where can I find the album?" I'm like, "Okay, I've got to put up an album." As well. yeah. Uh, yeah, and a lot of people say, "Kizomba, wow, it's Angolan, it exists." I didn't know about it. I'm like, "Okay, we have to talk a bit more about Kizomba." It's just like I'm learning so much from feedback from the fans. It's, it's crazy. 
I can definitely resonate with that. I, I've been to South Africa twice, and, and the first time. Oh I went, wow! Yeah, the first first time I went um, and heard um, black coffee there. Um, oh and, yeah, yeah black and I was too. like, what is? what is this music? Have we ever heard? It sounds similar to some of the stuff we have in the UK, but it's mm. a little bit different and it's, it's authentic. It seems, you know, and then you do a little bit of history and it's like, this is the main music there, you know, the main youth music. And exactly. So yeah, there's, I mean, even the, the names that you just said, I won't even try and repeat them because I'll probably mess it up, but I'm going to go. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go. Yeah, no, definitely. Genres for sure. For sure. Nah, the, I mean, uh, I mean, the populist one is uh, probably Kizomba. Uh, which is, you have to dance with someone, and then there's kuduru, which means tight ass in Portuguese. And, 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 yeah, it, 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 yeah, I know. It, it means tight ass. I, I know. It, it took a, you know, it had a controversial, you know, all, all the posh people and all the all the government people say, hey, no one should say this word tight ass, you know. But then, now everyone says it, you know. It's like everyone says it. So it's just like so kuduru, which is cool means tight, you know, bum and ass, yeah. And then there's samba and and uh, um, the rap, obviously. And yeah, these these are the music that you just just put and go to music on YouTube and have a list of them. And, yeah. Well, I, I I can I can pretty much guarantee people will hear this in the UK and go and look to find out what tight ass sounds like. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think you saw it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, man, Kuduru, uh, is just one of the craziest. It, it's like hip hop, but in a more crazy dancing, uh, field. Um, and, uh, and literally the elements of everyone paints their hair, okay. everyone has dreadlocks, and everyone is dressed differently. Everyone has a, a serious tush face and they get serious and yeah it's just like crazy crazy and there's, there's some dances where you just drop you drop yourself in the floor and you make it funny and it's like it's rages yeah yeah it's, 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 it's just put cool doodle k-u-d-o-r-a okay oh, oh so oh, oh uh, yeah and, and then you you'll, you'll find some interesting things there and um, yeah but it's still uh relatively small but i i guess this film is trying to highlight that you know? yeah no, for sure, for sure. I mean, you, you mentioned um, it's important, you know, we, we do our history on things. Um, so I was going to ask, what, what's your thoughts on the, the education system in the UK and the, the way we teach history um, in the UK? You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, mm, I mean, number one, we, the UK is a very diverse uh, um, um, country uh, and I think it, it should... It should. I mean, because when I was in school, I had learned, I learned about uh, Henry VIII, and uh, you learned a bit of a bit about the trade, uh, the triangle, the, the trade slavery triangle, mm -hmm. and about the World War uh, One and Two. And I, I guess you know, there's so much more we could. You know, obviously Christopher Columbus and so on. And you know, when you get down to the gritty, 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 I mean, it's like. I, I'm learning something in, in, in my mature age where, like, Christopher Columbus, like, what he did to Cuba, oh, my gosh. Mm. It's like, what the hell? He he brought some slaves over to Barcelona, you know, Barcelona. Mm. Um, and, and it was like, it started something very terrible. And it's like, uh, it's one of those things where you, you learn what you learn, but it's, when you go deeper, it's like, and I think it's one of those things where, Especially when we talk about Africa and Caribbean, it's, it's sometimes 
we need to tell our story and I need to tell it right because there's a this is like you know uh, uh, um, the Africans all sold the the, uh, the Caribbeans the, it's just like that it's like, it's like it's oh come on it's like we have to go deeper kind of thing you know um, so I, I think because we're such a diverse country uh, we need to talk about history in and highlighting the importance of you talk about Africa, you talk about the Caribbean, and you talk about some other uh, other countries, yeah. and, uh, and and look at the positive aspects of things also, because that's something that lacks even in, in the press and the media. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I yeah. I I really personally, I really do feel like it is something that we need to readdress in regards to the curriculum here and how we teach history, um, because. You know, once once you know who you are and you you got a full picture of the past and and everything else, it feeds into the future and it can only feed into the future in a positive way. But when you when you get of a course. fragmented view of the world and the world history, um, it causes issues. You know, it, it definitely of course. causes issues. Yeah. So, no, big time, big time. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know our, our history uh, in terms of when you talk about uh, Afro Caribbean is. So I think I'm, I'm very passionate about talking, and um, obviously me having kids that carry here. Um, it's one of those things where we, we need to join together, unite, and talk about the great things. I think I think I'm a big fan of Akela, Akela, Akala, who, who, uh, Akala, yeah, Akala. Yeah. A big fan, a big fan. You know, I think I, I met him long time ago when he was going to Dynamite, like going 20 years ago. Uh, on stage and he, what he's done is just like it, it, he's an example of someone dedicating to telling our story kind of thing is that is if you look at Akala that is an example of someone who will not just listen he will research it and and, 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 he, and he defends um, just the youth and, and explains why things are and I think that's important also instead of like just pointing fingers kind of thing we need to do more and um I think uh, there should be more people like that and uh, maybe a documentary or film or something needs to be done to address those issues and uh, that's how all of us artists can unite as well. And I think, yeah, hats out to him. Absolutely, absolutely. And you've, I mean, in regards to um, artists uniting, you've uh, started your own company, Giant Sables. Yeah, um, Giant Sables Media Entertainment, which is registered in Luanda, Angola, is is uh, the backbone behind making this film happen and getting the finances uh, to order in order to do this and and, and backing me up in, in, yeah I'm the, uh, the, the the one of the one of the directors CEO and yeah but yeah, that's the Angola company I think um, I'm really trying to uh, come back home should I say mm. to UK and and start something fresh um, and really my, my venture into films and storytelling. I, I I do want to do films in Angola, and I want to kind of do that. But I, I also, because I've been since two years old, I, I, I consider myself British Angolan. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and um, it's one of those things that I want to uh, create a lot of stories and tell stories and and some fiction. I, I mean, I love a good zombie flick. I love a good sci-fi film, and I love a good James Bond film. And, 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 and James Cameron film and, and Christopher Nolan. So there's, there's you know, without budget, a big budget or you being someone that has a, a big studio behind, you can't even think like that. But ideally, I would love to be 
in the past of these great, great directors mm. and writers like Quentin Tarantino, Spielberg, you know, and mm. so on. And I, I think, I, I believe myself so fully that I can get there and I'm fighting for that. And so it's, I'm thinking more internationally. And yes, I'm Angolan and I, I, I always, I'm going to help my country in every way I, I can. You know, I want to do a film every now and then, but my focus has really been international and doing films in Europe and, and the USA, uh, apart from Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, 2020 has given all creatives a whole new palette of um, stuff to write about, sing about, rap about. You know, there's just so much content potentially going to come out of this year. Some of it, some of it's sad, um, but yeah, there's different stories. I mean, the world, the world's a different place now. Um, the stories that you would have written before, um, some of them uh, may have sounded like fiction, but we're, it's like we're living in some kind of fiction at this point. Um, with all that's going on, so yeah, of course, no, of course, of course. I, I think I think uh, um, storytelling is very important, and um, especially, I mean, like when you talk about Angola, I mean, we were colonized 500 years, 400 to 500 years, mm. and then in 1975, that's when you have the revolution. That's when you became independent, yeah. and and then there's a war for fairly. Two thousand and two, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And it, it, it was. It stopped. It stopped. Two thousand. It stopped. Two thousand and two. But it was from nineteen seventy nine to two thousand two. Yeah. So it's one of the. It's one of those things where. Um, yeah. But there's loads of stories to be told because it's like it's almost like I, I'm actually looking to write a script about uh, two brothers who were in opposite sides. In, in the war, uh, I think it was MPLA and UNITA mm-hmm. um, were divided kind of thing. And it's actually based on a true story again. I love the true story where two brothers actually fought in the opposite side. And, and it's like, wow, and they were quite high up. And yeah, I'm exploring that kind of thing because obviously um, I, I want to tell a story one sided and, and get a lot of people to say, and go like, you know, you're supposed to be a filmmaker. Why are you choosing right? I don't yeah. want to do that. But I want, I, it's a story that unites and tell, tells it how it is. Like, literally, we were brothers fighting against each other over political issues, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so, and, and obviously, like, I, I want to tell a story, obviously, about my, my, my grandparents. Like, my, my granddad, Lazaro uh, Martins, he came from uh, San Tome Principe. Uh, I, I think he, he said in English, uh, St. Thomas mm-hmm. uh, Prince. Yeah, or something like that. But um, it's a little, a little island uh, not too far away of, of uh, Equatorial Guinea or, or, or Ghana, uh, not too far from Nigeria. It's like dead in the middle. And just his story leaving Santo Mea and going to, to Angola and then growing up and then meeting my, uh, my, uh, my grandma is, is an interesting story because they, then they had like 17, 18 kids and they lived in, with 18 kids in a, in a, in a two bedroom house. And it's just like, yeah, there's a big story to be told there because even even my grandma, my grandma was was um, she was she was enslaved um, into like a prison because she spoke out against uh, the the colonialism. And then my grandma's grandma was was uh, going to be sold in a ship to the slave trade, and so mm. it's just like there's so many stories to be told, and it's like it's almost like a film, but it's my reality of my family kind of thing. And so even when I said, talked to my kids, I was like, hey, hey, do, do you understand where, where your dad come from? It was a, it, almost impossible for me to be here, but we're here. There's so much, such a big fight, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Just to stay alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And um, and you know, hats off to them, man, because you, you know that's that's your your legacy, and you're you're doing them proud now. You know, you're 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 opening up the world to Angola in your way. You know? Yeah. So. You know the funny you know the funny thing is, brother. Um, Somewhat, my Jamaican friend uh, Jason Edgehill, mm-hmm. uh, which I've, funny enough, one of my best friends is, is Jamaican, and one of my best other friends, uh, Konya, he's Nigerian. And, yeah, so it's like it's mm. multicultural, you know. Yeah. But um, my, my friend Jason was saying to me, um, yeah, Maradona, you know what? You are the second biggest Maradona ever now. Like, after Diego Maradona, <laughs> like, they, they, I don't know any other one. I'm like, what are you talking about, Jason? And like, yeah. And, and he's like, you are the, you say, bolt of Angola. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you put, yeah, you put Angola in the map. And I was like, uh, yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. It's, I get that one. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. Talking about yeah, Angola like, on the map. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, a quick uh, general knowledge question to see see how your geography is. So, how okay. how sorry um, in all what number how big is sorry let me get the question right I don't want to make it too difficult. <laughs> Angola is in the top ten uh, African country in regards to size. Okay, what would you say? What number would you put on it? Um, Don't go to Google now. Oh, jeez, you're, you're so uh, you're quick. Okay, I was about to go. I was at my spot. So, <laughs> uh, you know what? I know Angola is like ten times or twelve, eleven times bigger than UK. Mm-hmm. So, I'd say it's probably the third biggest country in Africa. Yeah, not bad, but it's actually the seventh largest country Ooh. in Africa. Yep, yeah, um, with 481,000 square miles, and it's the 23rd largest country in the world. Really? Mm, Interesting. Man, I couldn't Google that quicker than (laughs) us, and then, I don't know, wow, (laughs) the seventh, oh wow, that's cool, 23rd. So, in regards to uh, future work, have you got anything planned? I know you said people are are looking at Santana too, and I I like the way you ended it. it, you've left it open. You know, it's good to go. <laughs> <laughs> nah, definitely. Um, you know, uh, it's, I, I love writing. And, you know, um, a lot of people might not know, but I, I've actually have, I've got dyslexia. Okay. So um, it, it has, it, it's uh, hardship on, but I'm, I'm kind of like knocking that out of the park. I'm kind of like dealing with it in, in a big boss way. I was like, you know what? You're not going to stop me. And uh, it's like, and, and actually, you know, I, I, from, from when I was 14, you know, uh, there, there was a big chess tournament and um, it was like, I think they were giving 150 or 200 pounds um, uh, um, and prize money. And I was just like, oh, I really want to win this chess tournament um, um, prize. Mm-hmm. So I started teaching myself chess, but I, I read a couple of books and I think one book was uh, uh, more uh, directionized into talking about how geniuses play and how, how they can see the game forward and blah, blah, blah. And I read these books, you know, and, and those times when you're 14, no one, you just, Google didn't exist and Yahoo probably didn't exist. So you had to read the book from cover to cover. Mm. And I, I was able to, within the two weeks, uh, I was playing against a lot, I was playing against a lot of people, uh, which I kept losing kind of thing, but I was understanding the game from their point of view. Um, but the books really taught me to open my mind and I say, some geniuses are, are, are able to, or not geniuses, people that know the game mm. are able to see the game in a certain way. And I was reading these tactics. 
And uh, cut long story short, I, I beat everyone and I became the chess champion. But I, I found something fundamentally good and it had happened that my brain ticks a different way from other people. And, That's right. Because um, I'm dyslexic, but I have so many advantages in terms of how my brain thinks. And mm-hmm. It was one of those things where, because you know, my dyslexia affects my, my writing sometimes. And, you know, sometimes when you're reading, you have to read things again sometimes. But, you know, with persistence, perseverance, you get that kind of thing. And it's one of those things where I have to work eight times harder than, than a normal person without this kind of thing. And it's one thing I'm used to now. But um, it's one of those things where I have other things that where people have to work 50 times harder well, and sometimes not so naturally. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, so it, it, it's one of the things back to your question of... Sorry, what was your question again? I, was, I know I was leading up to something. Uh, the second... No, was it? We would... Well, do you know, let's move on from there because I, I want to, it's, it's really, I'm really glad that you shared that um, in regards to your yeah. dyslexia because okay. you, you're really in good company. You know, you've got, you've got people like um, Alan Sugar and um, Richard Branson. These, these people are dyslexic and, and you're, bang oh, wow. it, you're, yeah. you're bang on it when you say all it is is your brain just ticks differently. And if anything, Completely. it's a plus. You know, it's just about understanding that this is how my brain works. It doesn't work in the conventional way. I have to do things in this way, you know? And once you understand what that is, the world's your oyster. It's, it doesn't even need to become a hindrance, you know? It's just no, understanding exactly. that I don't learn and I don't uh, um, process things like, like everybody else. Um, but No, exactly. Yeah. It, it's, it's like, I, I think uh, Einstein said it was, he was also dyslexic. Mm. He said it's like um, uh, trying to get a fish to climb up a tree. It's, it's, it's it's impossible, and and basically what he's trying to say that you know the, the academic system has its flaws when it comes to some dyslexic people, yeah. and 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 I think what you asked me earlier about the educational system mm-hmm. in the UK and from a historical background and what how it is history, but I think in terms of academically, mm-hmm. they they really need to approach uh, a lot of things differently because as a dyslexic person, I was just like counted out. I was like. Uh, uh, um, not really um, supposed to be anyone, do anything, because I, I couldn't, academic system was just my flaw. I, I pushed and pushed, but I couldn't do it kind of thing. And it's just one of those things where, I remember there was once where um, I think it was year eight, um, I think I was 12 or 13, 12, yeah. And the teacher were, were teaching about people with learning difficulties. And, and they, it was, I, had a, I had a class of 20, 25 people. And they were giving some some sheets of what people have wrote, um, um, wrote how, how bad their spelling was and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and she was giving like um, five different sheets, uh, to, uh, uh, five different sheets to the whole class. Like, so one in five would get the same kind of thing, sheets. And, and then when she gave me my sheet, I looked at it and I saw my, my own writing. Mm. I, I, was, I was reading my spelling mistakes. Mm. I, I don't think she did it purposely. I think they thought it was from another class, but they completely got it wrong. They gave me my writing in my class, and thank God they didn't have my name there, but it was just like my... I don't think back to book can get read, but I got read back there. I was like, oh, <laughs> how could they do this to me? And wow. it's just... Yeah, it was just one of those... I, I've never felt so sad in my life. I, was, I felt exposed. I, I was thinking, someone's going to say, hey, that's you, Marilyn, that's your writing, because mm. obviously... 
Yeah. Um, was you, was you was di- sorry to cut you, was you, was you diagnosed at school or was you diagnosed later? Or have you been diagnosed? I, I, I have been diagnosed, but it was much later. But it's one of those things, because uh, of the 993, 994, I think those times, and they, I, I think they didn't even know. They just thought, okay, he's having some learning difficulties, mm-hmm. uh, attention. And, and there was a lot of things also like I said. Maradona doesn't concentrate, uh, lack of attention, and so on and so on. And I guess that leads on to the next question where where's the lack of attention? Because I'm a very fast paced person. Like, mm. and a lot of people have assumed or, or say I might have ADHD, but it's something I, I need to get diagnosed. But it's one of, one of those things where it's like, uh, yeah. But, or, or, um, or maybe not. Maybe maybe you don't need to get it diagnosed because you're you're out in the world living your dream. You know you you're, you've made a mark on the planet. You created something that didn't exist before, yeah. and it's going to be here forever. Um, and there's people yeah. that have no diagnosis and no difficulties, and they 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 live and they pass, and and nobody would never know. You know when you look in the history books, but your your movie's made, so you know. No, sure, sure. Yeah, you've done well, man. I really. Yeah. Yeah. But I, th- I think the positive message I'm trying to say is that no matter what what you have or what difficulties you have, it's don't let anyone stop you because, like, I, I know Albert Einstein or Richard Branson or Alan Sugar, mm-hmm. but for my story as a filmmaker, I, I've, I've made a difference to Africa, not just Angola, mm-hmm. but to Africa. And um, what really I, w- I wanted to do is to bring attention to other, uh, other, other uh, like Netflix and other media companies like Amazon and, and, and uh, Apple or whatever to give us a chance kind of thing, you know, and, and, and really because it, it would do well in your network, like, yeah. it, like mine has done. Yeah. And because, you know what, when, when we wanted to put my film in the cinema, it's, it's almost like a big, a big, obviously the COVID didn't allow us, but um, it's, it's almost like a, a very big handle because, oh no, not many films come from Angola, so it's uh, still much of a risk factor. You know, all that kind of yeah. thing. And the reality is, if had my film been on cinema and everything was normal in a pandemic, it would have made $7 million, $10 million by now yeah. because everybody wanted to see it just based on the trailer, the description, and the poster, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and this is what most, most millions of people around the world, because there's 200 million subscribers in, in, in Netflix in 190 countries. So millions and millions had to have seen my film in order for it to be number one every day for like five or six days. How many times has been number one? Yeah. Yeah, nice. The last time I checked, we're still top eight in the whole month. We're, we're top eight. Uh, we're eighth of, of the most much film this month. So yeah. it's not too bad. Yeah, that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So <laughs> yeah. I've got a couple of couple of questions before we wrap up. Okay. Um, so, what do you do for enjoyment outside of um, work? Wow. Um, my, my my work is my films. It's it's my it's my passion. I guess what I, I have what I have done is uh, uh, some market research or just um, yeah, really I've, I've I've just been stagnant for so long kind of thing, just working on this film kind of thing. And um, I've, I've worked more in, in Angola. I had a, a media company, mm-hmm. so I have a media company which I said with, and that's kind of been we've been filming a lot of things and concerts and interviews and I did a big commercial, loads of commercial things in Angola but when I came here to the UK it's been kind of stagnant. I've just been working on the film, getting things ready and 
really helping it as well. Now, it's like, um, well, I'm, I'm hoping to have a great conversation with Netflix and uh, maybe see if there's, there's an opportunity to, to do other films with them or some kind of two, or that's what I'm waiting for kind of thing. So, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. So your time is really being consumed with that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So um, what are your top three tips for achieving your dreams? Wow. Well, okay. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think, I think uh, the first tip has to be um, you have to believe in yourself so much that you're willing to um, struggle for many years in disbelief. Because, like, uh, I, I, I say that in, in, in a situation where my mom obviously didn't think it was a good idea for me to go into filmmaking or being an actor. And she gave me an ultimatum. She said, look, either you leave home and do what you want, but in my house, it's my rules. And she's very African. The thing is, either you be a lawyer, engineer, a doctor. It's very much like that, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure in Nigeria, some kind of inflation system. Um, so yeah, it's believing yourself that much that you're willing to struggle in order to make it happen. And I think the the, the second thing is um, things don't things don't come to the good things don't come to people who who wait. You know, you really have to network. You really have to learn a, about what you want to do so much that you're like. For me, I always love film since I the first film I ever watched I think I was three or four years old Back to the Future yeah. you know what Gremlins and so on I love films from then and I, I, I was a fanatic for films yeah. so it for me me being a filmmaker um, because I, I'm someone that likes to go in YouTube and, and go behind the scenes and see what happened and go in IMDB the database where all, all the details of who, who's in the film what they did I look at every person that did everything in the film, and, and that's what I do, like, literally. And, and, and I like to see whether people criticizing the films or giving good attributes, saying, literally, the films I love, and I've been doing this for many years, and, and the music is so important to me in the films. Yeah. So I listen to the music again and again and again and again. And I, I guess you have to have some passion in, 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 in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it helps if, if, if you do like doing it without having to be pushed you know yeah. and um and the last thing i'll say the person you're waiting for to do what you you want to be done or to change what you need to be changed is you don't wait for someone else to do it mm. i had to realize that earlier on and me making santana was not like a two months three months one year i've started this journey from 2010 so it it lasted this long, but I've opened the door so people don't have to take that long. But whatever happens, you should just don't don't think someone else is going to do it. The person who has to change things is you. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, I definitely agree. With <laughs> so the last question: What advice would you give a twenty-year-old Santana, um, a twenty-year-old Maradona? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> These are these are these are like top BBC the voice questions. Lord have mercy. Why thank wow. you, sir. <laughs> nah, definitely. You're, you're you're training me, man. Oh man. Okay. Wow. A twenty-year-old Maradona. Oh my gosh. 
You know what? It's gonna it's it's a fun, it's gonna be a funny answer, and let me tell you why. Mm-hmm. At 20 years old, that's when I left my mom's house to follow my passion. Uh-huh. So I did. I'm not gonna say I did everything right, but I I was, all this advice I'm giving to uh, people is what I definitely I've had this in my blood for such a long time mm. because. Uh, being Angolan and um, the, the criticism is vast. It's like, you know, I've had uncles screaming at me and say, hey, what are you doing? You sh- why, why are you not going to university? Why are you not doing this? I'm like, I- I- I'm going to follow my passion. I'm going. And they're like, you're so stupid. Don't you know this? Things like that don't happen like this. You're, you're, you're dreaming. And I'm like, no, no, but uncle here in Europe a lot of people believe in themselves and I've seen some things in America and I was just like such a young dude explaining things like a young dude would like telling the truth like I've seen it in TV that this kid believed in himself but it was my truth it was was the origin of what what made me believe something so in terms of my belief system at 20 it was there Mm. but I, I, I think I would have told myself it's gonna be okay and don't spend one day doing something you don't want to do. Mm. Spend every day doing something that you want to do because I, I, I probably would have made, made something happen in, by 22 years old when I was 20, 23 because I, I still went, try, I tried to do a lot of other things and I, I still had to work and I had to work many years and so on. So it, it's one of those things where, yeah, I probably wasted five, six years uh, still, you know, doubting myself a little bit, you know, and waiting for another opportunity. I should have gone full on, you know, believe full on, and you know what I'm saying, and and yeah, you know, yeah. not wasting as much time um, 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 trying to divide opinions or listen to other people and and working for other people's dreams and, and leaving my stagnant, and that's what it got kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. That's amazing, man. Thank you. Thank you for that, for that insight, for sure. <laughs> so, all right. So we've come to the end of our time. Um, we, we, we spoke about doing 20 minutes to 45 minutes, and it's gone on a bit more because there's been so much to talk about. I could, I could literally spend wow. a couple of hours with you. On the phone, <laughs> I just checked now, and now 20 minutes. Oh, my gosh. That is, that is. That is so. In, in ten more, ten more minutes or fifteen minutes, we could have watched my whole film. Yeah, you <laughs> well, this is the no, point, man. Now, this is what I want everybody to go and go and support the movie. Go and watch the movie. You know, um, considering your story, you know where, you, where you've come from, and this being your first outing, and for you to do such amazing numbers on Netflix, you know that is something to be commended. And and like we said, this you, you're shining a light on Angola. You know. Um, and yeah, we, we, we definitely appreciate you for that. So thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Really appreciate now, it. Now, I, I have to say uh, thank you, the Pablo podcast. I mean, um, as soon as we reached out or uh, we have a mutual mutual friend, uh, uh, Brian, he, I thank him for also connecting us. And I think I, I, I love your podcast, uh, Pablo. I think it's going to do amazing things. Um, us, us. Little geniuses understand the importance of communication and, and, and telling stories and um, just basically um, having a podcast that uh, brings light to a lot of things like this. And I thank you for the invite. It's, it's, 
Thank you, thank you. And we, we look forward to having you back again with your new venture, whether it be Santana Part 2 or anything else. Anything you put your creative hands to, we'll definitely have you back. So, thank you again for choosing Pablo's podcast today. And hopefully, you can join me on the next one. Until then, take care and be nice to each other. Thank you for listening to Pablo's podcast. I'm Pablo from Hackney, and you can catch me next week for more healthy discussion.